Distinguished listeners, welcome back to the bottom of the fourth. We know you're exhausted from chasing Stillwell Angel around the bus and dancing the night away. So today we invite you to relax as Rachel and Tierney talk to Dan Murphy about what it's like to do research at the Baseball Hall of Fame's library and why scrapbooks rock. But first, let's check in on the current state of baseball. What I realized was we should actually talk about baseball in 2020 because it's a thing that we can talk about now yeah obviously not in the same way that i imagined way back when (laughs) and i have to admit i have been looking at very little actual red sox information lately Mm -hmm. i normally at this point would be all about where we are in the standings and what's going on and trade deadline and all (laughs) yeah i did fall in love with um oh god what's his last name now his first name is colin C-O-L-L-I-N, which I was like, "Mm, okay. And then his wife is Ashley Buzzy, I want to say. Like, she goes by Buzzy. And she just seems delightful. Uh, He was in the news because he came to... Boston. I think this is even his first year. They're like new town, and he he left his family where they were. Like, don't worry about relocating with me. Just stay where you are because he has a wife and two kids. I want to say. Looks like Colin McHugh. Colin McHugh. Yeah. Yeah. But I started following his wife on Twitter just because I was like looking up. This is actually good advice for any time. Whenever you see a a athlete, really anyone with some celebrities status, Mm -hmm. who you're like, oh, they seem awesome. Google, just Google, see what's up. And when you Google Colin McHugh, one of the first things that comes up is his wife is very active on Twitter and very honest about like, (laughs) sometimes being the wife of a professional baseball player sucks. Yeah. Sometimes it's awesome, but sometimes it sucks. (laughs) And so I went down a big rabbit hole. I mean, it'd be hard enough during like a regular season. And then, you know, this season was like, what the heck's happening? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And then trying to figure out, you know, everything. Gosh. Yeah, it was fascinating. I think uh, Jim Bowen, Bowen? Whatever. Ball four. You'll find it. (laughs) Uh, He talks about how weird it was for his family. Like, oh, we just moved to this town. Just kidding. We need to move again. I've been traded. And they're like, I'm sorry, what now? Yeah. (laughs) Well, he was going back and forth between the majors and the minors, which also messed it up for them a lot. But yeah, it's just a weird thing. I have friends that are in the military or their spouses are in the military Mm -hmm. too. So I always look at it as just like the same idea, same thing. Yeah. They have really good advice on moving. If you're ever moving (laughs) and worried about it, look at the blogs of army wives. They will give you the best tips and tricks. That's very true. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's literally the only thing I have thought about regarding the Red Sox this week so far. Yeah. I've seen some, like, gifts coming out of inter-squad games, and of course I've seen the Francisco Lindor home run. Oh, yeah. The somersault. Yeah. (laughs) It's delightful. I don't know. What do you think of the empty stadium stuff going on right now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think... It's hard to, because I always think like, you know, it would be hard in any sporting event as a player to, you know, not have, to not have that in the stadium. But I'm sure also at some point, it's just kind of like, you know, you kind of just, you're there to play. So you appreciate all the spectators and cheering and everything. But at a point you just, you, you kind of have to block it out so you can like play your best. Are you telling me all this yelling I've been doing for opposing pitchers 
has no effect. <laughs> um, only if you yell it at the TV. <laughs> the best is college basketball when you try and throw off during the free throws. Yeah, yeah. When you- <laughs> it's very coordinated. <laughs> it's a weird season. I think the stuff we've been seeing so far has been intra-squad. So it's been yeah. fun because it's like all guys that know each other. And, you know, like the Lindor thing, like they're having fun. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what it will feel like when it's an actual game because I remember watching the Baltimore game that they played in an empty stadium and it was weird but it was empty because of right like it was a different situation Uh, and you didn't know that it was gonna happen very far in advance so it was just one of those really surreal crazy moments yeah I forgot about that (laughs) It's, it's gonna be sunny and everyone knows this is how they're planning to play so I'm hoping it won't feel as unsettling as that did yeah i am totally pro teams that are selling they'll do a cardboard cutout of you in the stands oh that'd be awesome (laughs) oh it gets better i know at least one of is it the brewers at least one of them they are letting you do your dogs or your your pets yeah because they usually have like bark in the park nights so you can (laughs) you can do one for your pets oh that's awesome I would, I would like, I don't have any pets. I would pretend like I have a whole bunch. <laughs> Just like fill a whole, whole roll. Uh, here's my 12 cats and my five dogs. And <laughs> the Mummert Menagerie has yeah. arrived. <laughs> I think we have this whole section. The other good thing that I saw to come out of this is, uh, is saying that I can't remember if it was the Brewers. I think it was the Twins because Milwaukee and Minnesota have just gelled in my brain. I'm so sorry to people (laughs) from that area. Like, I am sitting here in the East Coast. I don't know. I don't remember. But one of them made summer camp t-shirts that look like old school, like, camp shirts. And they're like, look, if we're calling this summer camp, we're going all the way. (laughs) So there's been some good stuff to come out of this. There have also been some very high profile people opting out, people getting sick, people testing positive it's scary stuff like it's still i'm i am taking everything with a grain of salt and for all that i've just been like oh yeah the cutouts and the dogs it's gonna be great i I don't know that i believe we're having a season it's Mm. one of those it's like when it is happening in front of my eyeballs then i will believe it (laughs) yeah it's just like with any i mean like even with like college football this is totally unrelated different sport but (laughs) my dad and i were talking about it we prefer college over pro and you know right now it's just within like big 10 will play only big 10 like Pac-12, only Pac-12. So it's like, who knows? I mean, that's what and they have. And you independent. And, and that's what we were talking about. My dad's like, you know, the only one we could really think off the top of our heads was like, what about like Notre Dame? They're mm-hmm. not affiliated with any division. Like, what the heck are they going to do? They can play UConn a lot. <laughs> and I wonder if they will be like, okay. <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, even with football, college football, it's like there's certain, there's cases. And, it's and like, I, who knows? I wonder how many colleges will go online only for the fall. I know. And just be like, look, we're not doing Because I've heard of places where the theory is you go online only in the fall in hopes oh. of salvaging the spring semester that makes sense in hopes that by completely shutting down the campus by the time you're putting together the spring semester it will be more possible yeah (laughs) but there's a few famously the first one was harvard so they're going online only oh that's right yeah but i read there are some people who you know 
there are some circumstances where they're like, look, you have to be here in person. So you can be here in person and we'll figure it out. There are, I think my mom said there are a thousand people living on the UConn campus. Okay. Who just when things shut down in the spring didn't have, I I think it's international students where it's like, we don't have anywhere to go. Exactly. If we go, we probably can't come back. So we're just going to stay here. And they're really proud of, and I'm knocking on wood for them that I, I'm not jinxing this. They haven't had any positive cases. Good. Because, yeah, Bluffton has numerous international students that attend there as well. And I think they kind of did the same. Like, you know, I think they tried to find host families, you know, for the time being, just to see if they're able to go fly back to their back home or, you know, if they, it's, yeah. I can tie it back to baseball with that, actually. Oh, good. (laughs) I've always wanted to get a house that had the, is it, they call it the in-law apartment where like- Oh, the suite. It is its own thing. Like it has its own bathroom and kitchen and entrance and exit, but like you're right there. And I wanted to rent it out in my my dream world. This is on the Cape, obviously. And then (laughs) um, rent it for like way below market price so they can actually afford it to a baseball player for the season and then be like come over for dinner any night you want but like also you're a grown man if you need to go in and out like <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not your mom but also please eat yeah yeah <laughs> that was always my dream was to be, be able awesome. to be a host family so yeah if I had been living in one of these towns because there were people who did that they were host families for players in the AAGPBL yeah they would however many people <laughs> could fit sometimes it was just one person but there definitely were people that would have a few and then there were some places like boarding houses basically where you would get a bunch of people all together but we're not quite there yet these gals are still in a hotel that they're sneaking out of we're gonna see their living situation soon (laughs) so yeah that that ties it back around to the movie that we talk about Welcome back to A League of Their Own, one inning at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tierney Steele, and with me as always is Rachel Mummert. Hello. And we're here to talk more A League of Their Own. It's kind of our thing. And today we're talking with Dan Murphy, Fordham Dan. How's it going? (laughs) Hello. Things are great. Thank you for having me. It's not really, I guess Fordham for once isn't relevant to this conversation, except it is because I remember before I first met you, I was told, well, you're going to like Dan because he did his thesis on the, and then Chris hesitated a long time and went, (laughs) A-A-G-P-B-L. Why don't you, I usually ask people what their history is with the movie, but I feel like it kind of extends beyond the movie for you. Sure. Well, yes, that's right. I did do my thesis on the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And I was, I was, when you said that, I was thinking back, I I, I was like, did, did I do that after I met you I, or before? And I guess it was before. <laughs> but no, that's right. And uh, I had to reread it last night just to make sure that I was which was really embarrassing. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. But it is one of my favorite topics. And I love the movie. And I learned a lot about the league and writing the thesis. And I became much more interested in the league after. And I think I gained a new appreciation for the movie because I think the movie does a pretty good job 
of portraying things that actually happened, you know, showing the league in a way that I think is respectful, uh, but also, you know, really pretty honest to how it was. Just Hollywood fight it up a bit. Right. Well, I think Penny Marshall, I think she had a real appreciation for it. Oh, definitely. I've been reading some of the books about the league, and it's so funny. I am constantly texting Rachel like, I found the source for (laughs) Helen being good at making coffee, and oh my god, I found the picture that it clearly inspired the scene. So it's a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just so... I guess to describe what I what I researched, it's not really clear reading it now. Uh, but my focus on when I when I uh, researched the league was on the idea of I think it started off being about the idea of femininity and why the league wanted to like felt that they needed to have a charm school and you know why they chose that skirted uniforms. And I think what I learned the most about and what I really loved was that when they created the league, they did really emphasize a lot of things that they wanted the league to be full of women that were, that they could portray as, you know, proper young ladies. They think they wanted to create a spectacle that these were like, you know, proper young women playing baseball. And uh, one thing that you, that I, that I saw a lot was how much the league just became like any other sports league, especially as the years went on, in the towns where the teams played, like in Rockford and Kenosha and Racine, there's a lot of local articles about the league. And if you would, re- if you were to read them, it just seemed like it just seemed like they were talking about any other sports league. You know that to them it was just their hometown team. I mean, hmm. that, that was the coolest thing. Yeah, because the charm school only lasted a couple seasons, right? I think that's right. Yeah, they did a lot of things that you know would be in for like one year and then would be gone the next. One thing that the movie doesn't talk about and they don't really show was that it did really start as a softball league. I think the first year it was all underhand pitching and it was softball. And then gradually, like every year, the ball would get smaller and they would allow like sidearm pitching and then overhand pitching. And I think only in the last year was it like a regulation baseball. Yeah, it's so funny. They just kind of smushed it all into 1943 in this movie. (laughs) Which I think makes sense. Yeah, and it's... It's so funny reading articles from back then and looking at these statistics where it's like, oh, sometimes semi-pro softball would outdraw women's baseball. Like, I don't think softball has the reputation now that it did in the 40s. (laughs) Like, that was a big deal if you were playing at that level. And I get why they did it for the movie. It films better. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's honestly what it comes down to of it. It's a... quote unquote faster game and they allowed stealing from the beginning yeah which is never allowed in softball so it's like okay i I think they could see where things were going i'm sorry i'm just like having flashbacks to writing my thesis and being like wow i feel like i should be paying you because i don't know what my (laughs) cost would be to have to reread my thesis (laughs) um but i know you also just rewatched the movie so has your I know you said you liked the movie more afterwards, but have your feelings about it changed over time? Like, when did you first see it? I think I saw it, well, I think I probably saw it when I was pretty young with my parents. I don't remember the first time, but I remember, we, I mean, we owned it. So I think from the, probably like 1997 or 8 would probably be the first time that I saw it. So I was probably like 10. And it was always a movie that I loved. You know, I think when I was really young, I loved John Lovitz. I just thought he was like the funniest character in any movie. But I also just love the baseball scenes. 
and Cooperstown, since we go to Cooperstown every year. And it's not, you don't often see it in movies. And it really looks great in this movie, I think. Double Day Field. I was just, <laughs> one of my favorite pictures is you and Chris walking towards Double Day Field. Oh, yeah. I, I bet even money you've got on a jersey, so. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. I'm trying to think of things that if my feelings have changed about it. I don't think so. I think I've always loved it and I still love it. I think the things that I appreciate it now about it now more are things like seeing the charm school and the players reacting to it because that was something that I that I wrote about was you know there were I think there was players in the league who would do anything to play and just looked at the charm school as a necessary evil and then others who felt like it was the dumbest thing that they had to do this like they would <laughs> uh, I think it's it must have been Dottie Kamenchuk. She was very diplomatic and said it had its good points. Yeah. But now that I'm parsing her statement, yeah, no, she didn't actually say it was good or worthy of her time. <laughs> <laughs> and Dottie Kamenchuk, she was the star, right? That she was. Yeah, she yeah. was the first baseman for the Rockford Peaches, and she played almost every year. So that and stayed with the same team. So she really stood out because that was incredibly rare. I mean, I'm sure this is for any league. Like, statistically, most people don't play very long. (laughs) Right. But especially when the league only ran for a little over a decade, it really stands out when it's like, oh, wow, you went from... And uh, with pitchers, it's like, if you made the transition from underhand to overhand, it felt like you were a real old timer. Yeah. (laughs) Right. No, yeah, I didn't even think about that, how that would change. Uh, You can tell I definitely just read the chapter that was comparing (laughs) someone who was like considered the best underhand pitcher and then someone who's considered the best overhand pitcher and they barely overlapped and all that good (laughs) stuff. Wow. I wonder how hard that would be to make that transition Uh, or how (laughs) hard it would affect your pitch, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's why I loved the story of the, I think it was Gene Fott. Uh, I could be wrong and my apologies if I am who was this like just amazing destroyed everyone overhand pitcher. And she wasn't particularly good at underhand. Like she could get the ball over the plate, but she wasn't a standout pitcher. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this, I'm good at this. (laughs) So that's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, and it is a completely different motion, you know, to, to do that. Which just got me thinking, how hard was it doing research? Because one of the things that I ran into is how many people, Penny Marshall included, who was like, there's like one book on this, guys. Uh, Megan Cavanaugh, who played Marla, was saying how frustrated she was because she got the part. And she's like, oh, cool. I'll go check, you know, what they've got at the library. And she's like, there's nothing for me to research my part. Oh, no. What do I do? Well, I was very lucky in that I... I got a, uh, I applied for this grant at Fordham that essentially I, I just wrote up my proposal for what my thesis would be. And then they gave me some money to go to Cooperstown. So I did all of my research at the library at the Hall of Fame. And the oh, best wow. thing I had was uh, a scrapbook that pretty, I'm like 99% sure it was Audrey Wagner, who was a really, really good player. I think she was the MVP one year. And she had a scrapbook for one season where she cut out, you know, every article about like every game that she was in. Like, so she would, you know, cut the article out the, the next day in the newspaper for like, the, you know, the, the scorecard. And if there was, you know, a little blurb about what happened and anything about the league while she was playing that year, she put in. So it was an amazing resource and something 
that I don't think you know any base like any major league player probably did anything like that. I think she just saw it as you know <laughs> your move, Mookie Betts. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and you, if you think about it at the time, it was a league that like the players must have felt like it was such a once in a lifetime opportunity to play in this league that you know that was going on for the first few years during the war. And it was getting so much publicity about what was, you know, about who was playing and what the uniforms looked like and, you know, how talented the players were in it that I, I'm sure that it was just like a lot of them must have thought like, you know, this something like this may never happen again. Yeah. So there was that. Her scrapbook, I think, was my best resource because it gave, you know, it gave me articles from that, you know, would be impossible to find from small newspapers. And I think that contained, they did some barnstorming throughout the country before the league would start. So there was articles, I remember, like there was one writer in Oklahoma City who wrote really like sneering articles that she had <laughs> some of. So there's that. And now there are more, you know, there's a, there are more books about it now than I'm sure there were before the movie came out. Yeah, I'm looking at Mary Fiddler. I'm assuming that's how she says her name. She did her thesis on the league, but she did it back in the 70s. And for a long time, that was like the only resource. And it's so funny because her information was like, I flew to South Bend and someone had the books from the Blue Sox in their attic and they <laughs> gave them to me. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just such a different world than when I was looking for information, like getting this up and running. It was just like, oh, wow, you just like went to people's houses and hoped <laughs> for the best. <laughs> yeah. And that probably you probably could get good stuff doing that for people who you know kept scrapbooks about the time or just kept articles that they played out. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful book. It's very important. If you're into this, you will come across it. It's very dry. <laughs> and I think part of that is probably because her main source was like the business books, you know, <laughs> right. just a little bit of a different approach to things. Yeah. They also had the guidebook or like the player's code of conduct. Nice. Wow. So, you know, that was, you know went into all of the rules and, you know, during the game and after the game and making sure that you're acting like a lady. Uh, <laughs> so the Hall of Fame is a great resource for information about the All-American. That's just reminding me, I know one of the rules was that you couldn't appear in pants on official business. Like they always oh, talk about that, like yeah. having to put on a skirt to get off the bus. Mm -hmm. But there was something like you're not allowed to be. And I think it was part of like the no fraternization rule. Like you're not allowed to be in the stands in your uniform. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like la giggling at that to myself because it was a recent anniversary of was it Bobby Valentine? who, like, tried to disguise himself to go in the stands. Oh, yeah. But he's just wearing, like, sunglasses and a Mets t-shirt and, like, the most boss mustache you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, which I think that's one of the things that really shocked me in all that I've read about and looking at this is the fact that there was a no fraternization rule. And it's like, yeah. but they all knew each, each other. other. Yeah. Like, yeah. Technically, that whole heartwarming scene between Kit and Dottie at the end should not have happened. <laughs> exactly. But also, they're sisters and former teammates. <laughs> so I don't understand how this was supposed to be enforced or how this was supposed yeah. to work. I know, especially, yeah, if you're former teammates, you know, if you spent like a whole last season together and it's like all of a sudden like, oh, nope. <laughs> and it feels like people were traded constantly in this yeah. league yeah like maybe it's because i have followed 
more like usually when I'm following baseball, I'm following a specific team. And so I'm aware that trades are happening all the time. But when you pull up like a player profile on the website and they have a different team listed for every year that they played (laughs) and sometimes (laughs) multiple teams per year, that still like triggers like, whoa, they got traded a lot in my mind. But I'm realizing it's a lot more common than I thought. Oh, yeah. Staying with the same team was the exception, not the rule. Because even in the rules, I like um, the the rules of conduct. It says players should never approach the opposing manager or chaperone about being transferred. <laughs> so like, don't even think about going. <laughs> oh man, it's got nothing to do with a league of their own. But can I tell you my favorite story? And if it's not true, please don't tell me. I choose to believe it's true. Is that <laughs> when Sandy Koufax was pitching for or not be pitching as often as you would have liked for the apparently. He got into an altercation with, uh, I want to say Holson, I could be wrong. And they were playing the Giants and <laughs> at, at, in LA. And Willie Mays, and, like the, the Giants team overheard him arguing, being like, you're not playing me enough. And Willie Mays starts screaming like, come with us, get on the bus, <laughs> we'll play you. And oh like had to be kind of dragged off like, stop doing <laughs> like <laughs> Stop trying to recruit Sandy Koufax like in this hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was I picked Willie Mays out as my favorite purely because when I would go to Cooperstown and we would go in the hall, I'm like, I feel like you guys all had like, well, this is clearly the best nickname. So this is the best <laughs> player. And I picked it out because his plaque, like his nickname is the Say Hey Kid. Yeah. It just looks ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. And so and then I researched and I was like, okay. And you weren't a terrible person. Cool. Thumbs up. Yeah. Because that's not always true. And so I was just like, there we go. Willie Mays is good. And then I heard that story about him, like, trying to, like, get Sandy Kovac. Like, come on the bus. Come with us. We'll play you. We don't care. <laughs> what could have been? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Speaking of favorite players, I have to ask because it has been hilarious to me how divisive, like, whether you... We're, you prefer Kit or Donnie oh, yeah. has been on this podcast. Really? <laughs> like, I <There's> knew <laughs> most people have a preference, but I didn't expect it to become, like, the basis of arguments in episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> can I ask where you guys stand? So I've always been pro-Kit, I think because I learned baseball. I learned this movie from a girl who lived next door to me, was two years older than me, and was significantly better at baseball than I was. <laughs> so I kind of related a little bit. Wow. So yeah, I've always been pro-Kit. I get the critiques, and there are times where she drives me nuts. But overall, I like her. And then I have come to absolutely adore Doris through doing this project. Oh, yeah. Dor- uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I, yeah, that's where I've landed. Yeah, I've never had a problem with Kit. I mean, I can see where people, you know, they think like she's might be, you know, bratty or acting like the. But I've always kind of been like, well, she's the one who really wants this. Like, you know, she wants out of, you know, her town, her hometown. She wants to go and live life and she finds something that that becomes her thing and she finds that she is good at it. So. I kind of relate, I mean, with with that kind of feeling. Wow. Man, oh, man. We are very in the minority. <laughs> yeah, I would say Dottie, but I I don't think, I don't particularly like, well, I don't dislike either of them, but I think Rosie O'Donnell is my favorite of the players. Mm. 
Dottie, I like, but she's she drives me a little crazy when she's just so willing to give up. Yeah. And, you know, quit and go home or like she doesn't even want to go. And you're just like, yeah, oh God, you got to go. And we had kind of had that discussion. I don't know what. Which episode it was on. I know on, which but- part I like lost it. <laughs> it was uh, right before the World Series. The yeah. uh, It's supposed to be hard scene. Yeah. I, I was just like, yeah. I'm sorry. Were you not going to tell your manager that you're leaving? <laughs> like, well, that's, what, that's yeah. very much contract breaking, Dottie right, Hinson. You are a professional <laughs> athlete. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, you know, we talked about like how much that makes Tom Hanks Tom Hanks's reaction that much better, you know, and he is go, you know, he really wants to explain more about like why she should stay, but then he's like, eh, like whatever, you know, <laughs> it got hard. Well, fine, you know, we can do it without. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag yeah. justice for Alice. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and like we had discussed earlier too about, you know, if Dottie being more kind of set apart from the others or seemingly more not cold, but more aloof toward the other players if that makes it harder kind of to con- you know to connect with her as a character as well i don't want to say hard to connect with her i mean because i think she is a good character but you know yeah she's just she's up on this pedestal yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah and she's yeah she's a, she can be a little maternalistic with kids at times i think it's just so willing to be like oh trade me and you know yeah but something i hadn't really thought about until last night was so marla gets married and then seems to leave the team. And she was probably the best player. I you know, I think we're supposed to think like her or Doc yeah. should yeah. be like the two best hitters at least. And then who's I can't remember her name now, whose husband is killed. Oh, Betty Spaghetti. Betty Spaghetti. Yeah, is he Betty? loses like four players before right. the World yeah. Series. Uh, yeah, I was thinking like she does we don't see her anymore, right? I think she no. I think we're also like she leaves the team as well. And then Dottie leaves for the first six games of the World Series. <laughs> so it seems like it's a really tough year for Rock, you know, just they're really snake bit by these just players leaving. <laughs> Although it's better than when they had Marla come back in the as, original version of the movie. As a Racine Bell. Yeah, and came back as a Racine Bell. And I'm just like, <laughs> what What happened here? Yeah. <laughs> that makes no sense. I mean, like, yes, she could have been traded, but she gets married, so she leaves Rockford. But then she just reappears in Wisconsin. It's <laughs> very odd. Maybe she was Team Kit, and she's like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh man, you trade kids to racing? That's it. I'm going to racing now. <laughs> I do love um every time Megan Kavanaugh points out like that's my leg, that's me hiding in yeah. the racing dugout <laughs> because <laughs> they cut her out of that part of the movie. <laughs> they could only use takes where you didn't see Marla in the racing dugout during the World Series. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know about that. There was a whole. So what I love is. Rachel, was it four hours? Am I imagining that number? No, that the I think original, you're right. The original cut of this yeah, movie I came think in at right. some ridiculous, like, Lord of the Rings timing. <laughs> 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 yeah, there was a whole subplot with Marla coming back and playing. Yeah. And, yeah, it's if you look it up, you will either... I mean, don't get me wrong. It was great to see Marla again. But yeah. I think they made the right call. Yeah, <laughs> me too. It raised more <laughs> questions than it like was worth. Yeah, <laughs> it does feel a little like she like I wanted more of her story. You know, like yeah. you would love to see like her dad watch her play. Yeah. 
And you get such a good introduction of her and her oh, dad. It's, it's oh. That's a scene I've cried, I think, every time I've seen it. Yeah. She's leaving. One thing that came up that doesn't get mentioned, but I'll say it now and you'll see it every time now, is before the first game, before Jimmy comes in, Mm -hmm. I think it's when Betty Spaghetti is saying like about the card and her husband in Italy and all that stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah. In the background, Marla is showing Kit a new glove. Oh, yeah. And remember, right oh, before she leaves, her dad is saying, like, you'll need a new glove. And it shows her, like, her dad sends her one. New glo- yeah. Wow. And so that's the new glove she has. And it is true. Once you learn about that, you're like, okay. You you do. You're like, okay, yeah, there it is. New glove. <laughs> Which I would just like to say, I've never played baseball in the same, like, universe as this level. She can't use that that day. <laughs> Good point, yeah. You can't use a brand new glove, but mm-hmm. I it's a, still a sweet gesture. Oh, and I like yeah. that that was because Penny Marshall's talking about like she was constantly giving every girl busy work basically mm-hmm. to do in those scenes. And so it's like, I like that that's her busy work is she did get the new glove from her dad. And that's very sweet. Aww. Yeah. Uh, sequel, A League of Their Own 2. Marla's second season. I'm just saying they <laughs> ADR'd her saying she'd be back next season. So yeah, they left they it did. open well, for us. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I I don't remember this, but I think it was because I was probably four years old. The TV show that had oh. Marla in it and Betty in it. Have you guys discussed that already? Briefly. I knew it existed once I started researching this, yeah. but I haven't tracked anything down. Me neither. Yeah, I'd... I can't believe I didn't watch this at the time because I was I would have been super into that. But I wonder if maybe I didn't like by the time I found out about it, it was gone. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being something that's short lived if it's not well done. It seems like a really good idea for a TV show. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah. You know? Like if that was something that like a Netflix series, I think it, that was. Yeah. Fun. Look, they're rebooting the Babysitter's Club. They can reboot A League of Their Own. As a team. <laughs> well, I mean. Actually, I should see what Abby Jacobson's doing. <laughs> Abby Jacobson is developing the A League of Our Own reboot show, whatever we're calling these things. And um, I've seen pictures of some of the cast like hanging out behind the scenes. And I was like, this sounds awesome. But it has been very closely guarded. <laughs> Like, what's actually wow. going on? So there have been no pictures, uh, as of this recording, of them in their uniforms, of exactly what it's going to be. I know it's supposed to be set, like, you know, during the league, because at first it was just women's baseball and it will be called a league of their own. But hmm. there was no, like, it could have been anything. And I know some people who were disappointed when they said it's going to be set during league years because a lot of people pointed out like, well, we have this movie. There's a lot of other women in baseball stories. Yeah. We could tell, but I I love Abby Jacobson. So I'm still hopeful. I mean, I was going to watch it anyway, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm excited for that when it comes out. I loved Pitch. Did you watch that TV show? No. No. Oh, Pitch takes place in a realistic but alternate universe where the first female major league player is Ginny Baker, who pitches for the Padres. Hmm. And it is very well done. And the actress is amazing. And I loved it so much. And it got one season and they thought they were coming back for another. And then they didn't. So it's a really like what happens in that season finale is disappointing as a series finale. Oh, man. <laughs> Some people think it was disappointing even that what happened happened at all. But I was willing to give it like, oh, but you could then unpack that the next year. Like, that would be really interesting. But but it just disappeared. 
To be fair, I'm sure it was a very expensive TV show to make because, you know, you're simulating Padres games. Like, they're in Petco Park. Like, (laughs) granted, it was done with the MLB, but they basically built this entire fictional but realistic pro sports world. That cannot be easy to do. Yeah. And, you know, the actress was amazing, but she's obviously not a professional caliber pitcher. So they were faking that. So I, I, I'm still bitter. I want more. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that one's good. And I'm trying to think, but but that's kind of been it. I was saying, like, I got really bummed out when we got to, like, the credits and going through the movie because we were so optimistic, <laughs> like, in the <laughs> mid-90s. It just seemed so obvious to everyone that this is where things were going. You know, women would definitely be in the majors by now, right? Oops. <laughs> I'm always curious, like, any other women in baseball stories that people know or would want to see adapted. I think that would be cool to put out into the universe. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, there was, I'm, I think, uh, you know, that was such a big topic at the time, you know, during the uh, the All-American Girls League, you know, that idea. And there was always, you know, stories about like, you know, which players could play. And I think Dottie Kamenchuk was the one that they always talked about was, you know, she was good enough. Yeah, because, uh, oh, shoot, I knew what team I want to say it was one of the New York ones did like make an offer to the league to try and buy out her contract. Or maybe it was a Florida minor league. Now I'm getting things mixed up. But yeah, someone did like kind of approach the league and supposedly the league went to her and were like would you be interested Mm -hmm. and she said she didn't want to play with guys she liked playing in an all-women's league she was just one of those people who was born in the perfect time and place that she got to do it (laughs) because (laughs) i'm sure it would have been different i mean not that they would have ever seen her but if playing with the boys had been her only option i'm sure she would have but it wasn't so, and she was a first baseman. So, and uh, that's one of the things I know they talked about with pitch was that they were like, the first female in the major leagues will probably be a pitcher for an NL team. Mm-hmm. Like, first base is a little bit rough. I, I, it's not the roughest, obviously, but she was like, I don't want to be covering the base when someone who has like 50 pounds on me is coming towards me. <laughs> <laughs> so, there was always that argument of, is co-ed or separated better mm-hmm. for women's sports development? Yeah. And it's it's hard because, yeah, in a perfect world, you could have, you know, the women's and the men's, but you don't, and it's not going to ever be equal. Mm-hmm. But it is, I don't know. I think, I was just thinking about what you said about how it would likely be a pitcher. And I think that that would make the most sense just because I, I still don't really understand how some people are able to throw a ball you know, 90 miles an hour oh, yeah. who are great athletes, you know, can't. It just seems like something that you're born with or you are not. Yeah. But I think that's where women would be a disadvantage just because they're, you know, if you play softball, like you're going to learn to throw the ball like a softball pitcher. You know? mm-hmm. But it would be, I'm sure in our lifetimes, there's going to be stories. That gives me a chance to plug two wonderful things. Um, I just started reading The MVP Machine by, I know one of them is Ben Lindbergh. I'm so sorry to his co-author. I don't listen to, like, I've been listening to Ben Lindbergh podcasts for years now. So his mind stuck in, his name stuck in my mind a little bit better. But The MVP Machine talks a lot about, it's, it's all about player development. Mm-hmm. How do you take someone who is good enough to make it to the majors and make them Mookie Betts or the first 
chapters are a lot about Trevor Bauer, who I happen to dislike. But <laughs> it's, it was so funny because the first two guys they focus on are people that I like actively don't like, but yeah. we're saying very interesting <laughs> things about weighted balls and throwing regimens and so it's like huh. okay like you have something that can like obviously you're very important to this conversation but i was like gritting my teeth mm-hmm. reading through it and then the <laughs> other thing is there's an organization called baseball for all and it's encouraging girls to play baseball to not get shunted into the softball lane yeah. because mm. Like you said, if there aren't girls playing baseball into these higher levels, you're never going to be able to get someone who can have that skill. Yeah. Right. Even if they naturally have that skill, they're not going to develop it if they're done once they age out of Little League. Right. So I think that's a really important, like, moving forward (laughs) to focus (laughs) on. Like I said, in a perfect world, we can have another AAG PBL, but more realistically, like, let's just let girls play baseball with the opportunities that they have oh yeah yeah that was my two things so you mentioned that you love this movie doris is your favorite do you have a favorite scene favorite scene um i know it's a hard one (laughs) i couldn't answer it yeah (laughs) i i love uh when tom hanks kind of wakes up and starts managing for the first time (laughs) yeah and i think it's it's really, it's an underrated performance by Tom Hanks. I yeah. think it's one of his best roles. Like he really looks like a baseball player and kind of uses language I think would, you know, you would associate with a baseball player. Like he doesn't, like he seems like he belongs in that world and yeah. looks like a guy who's kind of washed up and you know, yeah. drank his way out of baseball. But I love when he kind of wakes up and, you know, starts arguing with Dottie about whether Marla should bunt or swing away (laughs) and then just kind of becomes part of the team. And then, you know, I love all the scenes with him thereafter when he's managing or like mad at the girls for not getting on the bus fast enough. (laughs) Well, that's one of his really good character things is like when he has to be so i mean with uh like with evelyn you know he has that barely contained rage but he plays it so well that you can you can totally connect with how you know he's feeling and but he just oh he plays that so well (laughs) oh yeah and scenes like that i think are done well i think anyone who played baseball at any level when you make a little mistake like that, like missing the cutoff, man. Yeah. And Evelyn yeah. seems like she's always sort of, you know, she gets the brunt of it. Like she seems like she's, she's always the character who's shown making like <laughs> silly mistake. But those are the things that do happen. You just feel so bad for her. And yeah. you know, if you ever had like a coach in any sport who's like tough, you know, it's he's so good at that, playing that role. Being yeah. a coach, you don't want to have to go back to after you've made a mistake. Yeah. Once you know you made a mistake, you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> It's so cute when she makes a mistake later and she goes, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, I know. Evelyn was too pure for this world. <laughs> and another character trait I love of Jimmy's is when he's trying to, you know, when when you, like you said, you know, he's finally waking up and taking charge of the team and he's really trying his best to learn and maintain everyone's name. And he's like, the blonde, you know, he always just like, blonde girl. Tall girl. Blonde, yeah, tall girl. <laughs> Who's that again? And <laughs> I but love I told that. You, I <laughs> he's think he then continues it as a sign of endearment because yeah. in the World Series at one point he yells out, 
and calls Evelyn Blonde Girl. He does. But he has just <laughs> used her name earlier. So it's like, I yeah. like the idea that that's his way of like, you're my team. <laughs> and it's like, he doesn't mean it in a, you know, mean or demeaning way. He's just, that's his, that's his name for you. And <laughs> yeah. he can't be, it's like he's under enough pressure and stress. He's like, uh, <laughs> I can't remember. Look, the, the real Rockford Peaches had five Dotties on the team. It wasn't all his fault. <laughs> that's true. They did have a lot of... <laughs> He did yeah, have a lot was, of Dotties. <laughs> I remember like researching and being like, this is unbelievable. I don't know a single Dottie in my life, but they are all in this league. Like if you're on the website and you're like trying to find, like I wasn't sure how to spell, you know, Dorothy Kim and Chick's last name. So I'm like, oh, I'll just type in Dorothy. And it's like, as long as you know a last name, you can just type in Dorothy <laughs> and you'll find whichever Dorothy you're looking for. <laughs> this is not the Dorothy you are looking for. Yeah. You're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, and multiple people had the nickname Beans. That also brought me great joy <laughs> when I found that out. I had read something. I was like, oh, yeah, Beans. And there, there is a Beans in the movie yeah. at the game at the end. Yeah. And so I was looking to see if it was her. And then I was reading this. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I'm sure I read about her. And it wasn't. And then I'm like, there are multiple Beans. I love it. <laughs> oh. Did you have anything else? Well, one thing that I thought about last night, not, you know, just watching the movie again. Uh, maybe you guys have already discussed this. I'm sorry if you have. Do you think at the end that Dottie drops the ball on purpose? Yes. Oh, I, was, I, I was just going to think about asking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not my answer, but I'm just excited that you... <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, it never even occurred to me that she would have done it on purpose. I was always wow. kind of the opposite. Growing up, I, I think I, but when you know, in rewatching, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think I might be persuaded that she didn't drop it on purpose. Yeah, like, would you drive all the way back from Yellowstone just to drop yeah. the ball and lose the World Series? I, yeah, I always assumed that she did, but watching, I, watching it again. I don't know, for some reason my memory like it's like this like her hand hitting the ground and the ball coming yeah. out happened much more slowly. But like watching it last night, I was like, maybe she just dropped it. And that's a sh- shot that always made me think that it was on purpose too, is that when they show her hand hitting the ground and the ball rolling out. I don't know why, but that always equaled oh, you know, somehow she let go on purpose. <laughs> I liked when we talked to someone who had been a catcher who was like, well, she shouldn't have been holding it. Th- like, right. it shouldn't have yeah. been there. So that means that maybe subconsciously she dropped it on purpose. Because- but she gets like right in Kit's. I mean, yeah. Kit's going, you know, she's going like hell for home. And Dottie's <laughs> just like, no, she gets right in her in her way i like practically zapruder filmed it because you see dotty get hit and hold on to the ball earlier in the movie right in one of the montage yeah. scenes and so i'm looking at that and like okay but she doesn't get hit as hard that time but like just following along i was just like i don't know because looking at the movie as closely as we have i get more the like story clues that people think are there like mm-hmm. the way she treats her grandsons and right. the way she yeah. looks afterwards. And so it's one of those where it's like, well, I see it. I see where this theory came from, but I like cannot bring myself to then say, 
and therefore she dropped the ball yeah. on purpose because I'm like, no, look at how hard she falls down. <laughs> yeah, she really hits her. And I guess there's two things that, you know, in rewatching and going through the movie that kind of stick out that she wouldn't have done it on purpose is, yes, she knows that Kit wanted this so badly, but I don't think Dottie would be the type to, first of all, just make a play like that and essentially hand it to her. Like, she would she would make it fair. You know, if Kit won, she won fair and square. Like we talked about before um, Kit comes up to bat that final time, and she yeah. goes up to, to Ellen, <laughs> Ellen Sue, and she's like... You know, she can't, she has, you know, can't can't hit him, can't lay off him. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's like if she, that that was kind of what, I guess like a betrayal, but not really. I mean, she's just giving info to her teammate to be like, listen. (laughs) Which to be fair, Ellen Sue should have known as a fellow pitcher on a team with Kit that whole season. But yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I know for movie purposes, that's not like (laughs) how they played it, but yeah. It's funny to think also now that like kids today who play baseball would watch it and be like, well, what, like, why does it matter? That's an illegal play. You know, that you, like, now you, <laughs> like, you wouldn't be blocking the plate like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just makes you feel for, I mean, I always, especially the last watch through and when we went through that part of, you know, that inning of just how feeling how Kit feels. Because she just totally, you know, for a minute there, she loses it. She's like, you know, and it's like, yeah, I, I, you, you kind of sympathize with her to be like, oh, man. But at the same time, you know, she doesn't want, she doesn't want Dottie to see her falling apart. Yeah. I think Dottie's dream result of that would have been like, okay, she did that. She doesn't really feel good about it, but like, okay, it, it's, it's fair information. If Kit had gotten that hit, and then stopped at third. That would have been perfect because it's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> oh look, you did it. You you saved the game for your team. Right. And then they get someone else out. Like that would have been perfect for her. The yeah. fact that she ran through the stop sign is what really like puts Dottie in the hot seat. Yeah. Of, oh wait a minute. <laughs> um, and just uh, something you said, Rachel, reminded me. One my I think one of my favorite lines. I don't think I'd ever really listened to before was. At the very beginning of Game Seven, when Jimmy's talking to Ellen Sue mm-hmm. um, as she's warming up, and then you know he's trying to like talk her up, and then he goes and talks to out. Well, it turns out to be Dottie, <laughs> Alice, and he's like, yeah. "If Ellen Sue doesn't have anything tonight, don't keep it a secret." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, such a great, <laughs> such great dialogue. Oh yeah. This is my favorite baseball movie. It's one of my favorite movies, period. But I think it does a really good job of balancing story and baseball. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask your other, like, top baseball movie. Like, what are you looking for in a baseball movie? And I think part of what made me think of this question is you saying, well, kids today would know that's an illegal play. And I'm like... (laughs) At eight, I can guarantee you I was not <laughs> picking up on things like that. I watched the Angels in the Outfield remake and <laughs> had no problem with any of the illegal plays happening. <laughs> True. Well, this movie, I think like the players really look like baseball players. Like when you see them all swinging, like mm-hmm. they don't look like actors who just like learn to play baseball. They all look like they know like how to hit, how to throw. Uh, I think this movie's got great baseball scenes. Yeah. It looks really realistic. My other favorite baseball movies probably aren't even... Like, I love Bang the Drum Slowly. 
which is not as baseball focused and the baseball does not look as good especially i think they actually take scenes from like actual games like major league games they like bought rights to like show clips oh it's like war movie stock footage right and it looks like it uh like the scenes with the actors it's very like does not look real at all but it's a great movie hmm all i could I think of dreams i'm oh, sorry oh yeah I was say when you said bang the drum slowly, all I could think of was the Cleveland Indians oh. guy guy who drums. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I my brain immediately went to all the jokes I saw about um, writing a book about the Houston Astros. It was like bang the trash can loudly. <laughs> <laughs> was title. Oh man, that's funny. I like the uh, the snark on Twitter quite a bit. <laughs> it's a mean place. I love it. <laughs> Well, you perfectly disproved my theory because I recently very confidently told someone that you only really like Field of Dreams if you're from Iowa or a Red Sox fan. But you've just <laughs> blown that thesis right out of the water. So. Do people not like Field of Dreams? I've never heard that. Apparently a lot of... Uh, hmm. I, I was just listening to people who get very annoyed that like because they like baseball, people are like, well, you must love Field of Dreams. And, like <laughs> It's hokey. It doesn't have a lot of actual, but you know, like, yeah, they get really caught up on the fact that like the story is very odd and it's actually more about like the father son dynamic. And they're like, I, I just want to watch a game like just no, yeah. I don't need all this. I don't need this mythologizing. Hmm. <laughs> and then there are people who are super into baseball who will never get over the uh, shoeless. Oh. Uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Ray Liotta being yeah. not that character. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I cannot I cannot offer my opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I I understand their critiques because I was like, this is kind of cheesy. Oh, it's incredibly hokey, yeah. But I am a Red Sox fan and seeing F- old Fenway Park, oh man, it was so good. And like, I just really loved that part of it where it's like, I could lose a lot of this movie, but I don't want to lose this movie because I don't want to lose these scenes. Mm -hmm. I was joking. I was like, yeah, people from Iowa, because, of course, I have the little is this heaven ornament on my (laughs) fridge. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, maybe that's a a thing just of cynical people of this is too big. So obviously it's not as, you know, got too famous. Got to tear it down a peg. Probably. Rachel, you mentioned the Indians, Major League, obviously. Is- yeah, which I just recently saw a few weeks ago for the first time. <laughs> oh, really? What did you think? I enjoyed it. I did uh, not think yeah. it was that bad. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. I really like baseballism. Say, they're, um, the alternate Indians logo that people were saying, like, just replace Chief Wahoo with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll all know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really liked Major League. I just saw Bull Durham for the first time this year. Oh, that's great too. I love that movie. And that is one where um, I'm listening to people talk about it and they keep talking about like Costner's baseball swing. Like no wonder he was in so many baseball movies because he looks like a baseball player. (laughs) Oh yeah. I think he played uh, in college. In college? Yeah. Sounds right. And like maybe like was able like, you know, turn down like an opportunity to play in the minor league, something like that. But I think he was, you know, he is legitimately able to play baseball more than, you know, more than a lot of actors. Yeah, he has he has a real swing. And then I think they said a lot of the like anytime they're playing a team, that team's just made up of like the local college baseball team. 
Oh, okay. So they actually like kind of knew what they were doing, which is hilarious when they have to like act like something just, ha- you know, it's like they clearly just hit maybe a single, but they have to pretend they hit a home run and they're like, uh, I'm a, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a business major. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to think this is definitely top of my list. And nothing has ever beaten being in Cooperstown, going back to the hotel room. I turned on the TV and a league of their own was on. <laughs> yeah. I think I texted was like, Dad, Dad, it's on. <laughs> well, it's definitely a movie you can watch anytime, anywhere. And, you know, if it's ever on, I'll watch it. Sounds high praise. <laughs> Thank you guys for not letting me forget to ask about the grand controversy <laughs> of this movie. That was exciting. Of Hinson dropped the ball. I can't believe it. Almost forgot that. Um, I don't think there's anything else. I think we're good. Great. I usually invite people who like have podcasts or write to like if they have anything they want to plug. I'm guessing you're stuck at home like everyone else. But right. <laughs> yeah. The Orioles, right? <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. I'm wearing my Trey Mancini shirt and we're hoping he heals because he was uh, he's diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Sorry to put a paw on things. But, you know, hopefully we have baseball this year. Yeah. Are you team bubble or? <laughs> you know, I think I was really interested in the, all the teams in Florida and Arizona idea. But just I think it'd be a lot of fun to have. And it seems like every idea has got this, the, like the reorganized leagues, you know, so that, you know, all, you know, the teams aren't traveling to California that are on the East Coast and vice versa. You know, it'd be fun to have like, you know, divisions where, you know, you're playing National League teams that are near you all the time. I, mm, I, this is not how I wanted it. I've always joked that I, or not joked, but I really miss the idea that like you only ever saw the other league, yeah. like, all-star game and oh. World Series, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And I was always like, that's such a cool idea. Like just intellectually, like, could you imagine when it actually made a difference and there wasn't all this intro and, but, but this is not how I wanted it. <laughs> yeah. So fingers crossed they come up with something. Yeah. I've just been down on the bubble things just because it's like, I'm not going to lie. I follow the baseball players with cute dogs and kids. And so I'm very invested in them staying safe and with their families. Mm -hmm. But then that complicates things. (laughs) We'll see. Um, There will probably be news. Actually, Rachel and I were just talking about how... We originally planned that we were going to start every episode by talking <laughs> about how we were feeling about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and then it became like, well, we'll talk about like what's going on in the baseball world. And then just today we were like, things are moving way too fast. There's no mm. way we can keep up with that. Yeah. Like, we are not a breaking news organization here. <laughs> we're going to podcast about a movie. So, so yeah, we, we just are very generally... <laughs> Like, hoping for a season, hoping everyone stays safe. Uh, stay safe, stay sane, as I've been signing off lately. Yeah. So, But it was really good to talk to you. Thanks yes. so yes, much. Terry. Thank you and for nice, coming on. Yeah, nice to meet you, Rachel. Yes, very nice to meet you. The other segment we need to record tonight is our MVP. Oh, yeah. So it is the fourth inning and we have a tie <laughs> again. We have our second tie. Unless things have changed since I checked 
But the last I saw was that we had votes of equal number for Ellen Sue Gotlander and for Penny Marshall doing the Foley work for the Pings. Oh, yeah, we're still in a tie. I love you, oh, listeners. That's a hard choice. That's such a hard choice. You get me. <laughs> oh, man. Because Ellen Sue is the real the GOAT, the MVP of that scene. Yeah. But knowing that Penny Marshall was just like off screen with a hose, making (laughs) Tom Hanks react in real time. Yeah. (laughs) Makes an already great scene greater. (laughs) She managed to beat out Jimmy Dugan. So that's quite a, that's a feat. I mean. That is crazy to me, but I also (laughs) kind of get it where it's like, Jimmy and Dottie are, they're fine. We know them. We love them. They'll always be MVPs (laughs) in our hearts. Exactly. I just liked the fourth for him, or I just liked the third for him because you got his crazy drunk yelling. <laughs> like he had a lot of acting to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh the yeah. Inning. The fourth, he, the, the fourth we go, who's Lou? Oh, that's, uh, I love that line. <laughs> well, I almost wonder, I really waffled on whether to nominate Jimmy again based solely oh, on yeah. that wake up. But I'm like, that's the only thing. Well, no, because he also has the Evelyn, the callback with her. Yeah. I don't know. Was there anyone that sprang to your mind for MVP this week? Um, I think definitely May's dance partner. Yeah. Who is unnamed in the movie. Although our wonderful guest Heidi Bennett actually ID'd the actor. Oh, that's right. That's- yeah. May's dance partner is the <laughs> is the guy. Nelson? Nelson. Nelson's a good one. And the uh, chaperone lady? Miss Cuthbert. Miss Cuthbert. I couldn't- Miss oh. Cuthbert, definitely. She gets the whole thing with the bus driver and, you know, she gets dirt thrown, like literally thrown oh. in her face and she gets yeah. her smooched by Dugan and- <laughs> She gets the whole and her look around. afterwards. I like that she's as a like he's in <laughs> she's in shock, but she is clearly just as angry about what is happening as he is. Yeah, yeah. It just takes a while for the anger to show through because <laughs> she gets the whole gamut of everything. Yeah, she's, she's busy being sick, and I do like we see in that deleted scene even more that Jimmy really is taking care of her that night. Oh yeah, like he's ordering her. He's like getting things cleaned up. He's ordering her food to calm her stomach. Like <laughs> you see it in the movie as it is presented on screen that Jimmy is taking care of her. He's fanning her. He's the one talking to the doctor. But yeah. it, they've clearly come to some sort of understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need another. I know see, we, we usually need do like four. another female. Hmm, balancing it out. I'm trying to think who, because I don't want to like nominate all of the same people all the time. Is this Marla's moment to shine? That's what I was thinking too. Can we put Marla and Nelson up against each other? How would they feel about that? <laughs> Might be another tie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will let the people decide that. <laughs> yes. So if this is the first episode you are listening to and you're like, whoa, what is going on? We let our listeners decide who the MVP of each inning is. We post polls in our Facebook group, The Dugout with Dugan, and on our Twitter, our handles at VCR Privileges, because that's our overarching parent podcast series goodness. We'll post them today and they will remain up for one week. So next Friday at noon. And I think that's it. We're good. Next week is a montage. It's a lot. A lot happens next week in yeah. the fifth inning. But it'll be really good. Enjoy that? Good. Well, come back next game, will you? <laughs>